globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otobiel. And now, today's word. So, let's first look at the foolish mother. The foolish mother. Before the case ever came to Solomon, they had a child. The first woman was reckless. The foolish mother is what I call the reckless woman. She slept on her baby. She lay on the baby. She was not aware of her baby's presence when she slept. She slept fully and forgot that there was a fragile life lying by her. One of the things you, you, you master as you grow is that um, you learn even in your sleep to be aware of what is beside you. That's why we don't fall off our beds. I hope you don't when you sleep. Now, when, when you sleep, no matter how narrow your bed is, somehow your mind registers the limits of your movement in your sleep, and you don't fall off your bed because subconsciously you are aware there is an edge to a bed. Now, this woman had a child. I'm not a woman, and I've never given birth to a child, but I've had children and I've been on the same bed with children. And the moment a small baby lies by your side, subconsciously, the same thing that makes you not roll over the bed, registers in your mind. And no matter how much you toss in your bed, you, you are conscious there is a fragile life beside you. Once in a while, people sleep and forget. And if you are like that, may God forgive you. Once in a while, people sleep and forget, and, and you may touch your baby or get to the edge, but almost instinctively, you register yourself and come back. This woman slept on her child, and it wasn't just a momentary thing. She lay, the Bible says she lay on the child. It means she was there for a very long time and never had the consciousness, I am killing a life. And the child suffocated. Probably the child screamed. Probably the child twitched. Probably the child struggled. But she never felt it. There are people who never feel it when they are destroying. They don't feel it. Recklessness. The second thing about this woman is that she was deceitful. She was deceitful. She exchanged her dead baby. She exchanged what she had destroyed for what her friend had preserved. Instead of accepting responsibility and mourning over her dead child, she sought to shift responsibility. There are people who are reckless and deceitful. What they destroy, they want to steal. They destroy one thing and want to steal what somebody has. They destroy their own marriage, they want to steal somebody's marriage. They want to destroy their own peace. They want to steal somebody's peace. They destroy their own joy. They want to steal somebody's joy. This woman, reckless and deceptive. She tried to shift what she had killed to somebody 
and take what somebody had spent time to preserve. The third thing about this woman, not only is she reckless and deceitful, but she is very, very secretive. The Bible says that she acted in the night. She used the cover of darkness to cover, to commit her crime. She felt she could hide when nobody was watching. She acted in darkness and hoped that when it came to light, she would bully her way through and gain what she had not toiled for. And there are people like that, reckless, deceitful, scheming in secret, destroying what they have and trying to steal what other people have, killing what they have and stealing what others have preserved. That's the foolish woman. Then the second woman, the wise mother. The first thing the Bible says about her was that she lay by her the side of her baby. She was responsible. She was a companion to her baby. She was aware of the baby she had given birth to. She knew she was responsible for the safety of what she had produced. And when she slept, her subconscious mind was aware where the baby lay. She knew, I have given birth to something, I have to protect it. Even when I'm asleep, I have to be aware, I have to protect what I have. She was very responsible. She gave birth to it, protected it, lay by the side of the baby. The second thing you note about this woman is that she was very diligent very diligent. In verse 21 it says, and when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed he was not my son whom I had born. Two things stand out. That she rose in the morning, that, that morning there is dawn. She rose at dawn to feed her child. Very responsible. Then she realized the child was dead. And she says, well, I can't make a decision in the dark. I'm going to wait for the morning light. And when the morning light came, she examined her child. Now, by her own account, she says she gave birth, and three days later, her neighbor gave birth. Now, I'm not sure whether it happened instantly after that, but from the way you look at the story, probably uh, her baby died maybe after three days or three uh, or, or a week. And she could still tell who her baby was. Because most babies look alike. And sometimes even a parent cannot tell who their baby is. But she could tell after three days of companionship with this baby that this is not mine. She has a keen sense of awareness, keen sense of recognition, she has a high sense of responsibility and she could tell what is hers and what is not hers. Some woman would just have taken the dead child as hers because all children look alike, but for her, they were different. Diligent, she was feeding. Diligent, she examined. 
You may not approve of her profession, but you can certainly applaud her sense of diligence. She was a very careful and caring woman. And the third thing about her is that she acted in the morning. Whilst the other one acted at night, she acted in the light. She was very sincere. She was not secretive. She was not scheming. She was sincere. Her actions were in the light. And if you look at it, there are two kinds of light associated with her. The dawn light and the early morning light. She woke up at dawn to feed her child. She saw the child was dead, but she didn't make a decision. She said, let me wait for a greater light because I need to properly examine this in order to make a decision. And when she examined the morning, she realized that is not my child. There are people who make decisions with the dawn light, with a little light, and don't wait for a greater light to have a greater picture and to make a decision. But wisdom doesn't make a decision at dawn. Wisdom makes a decision in the morning. Wisdom waits till they have a broader picture, a greater light, a greater understanding to be able to tell whether what they have is theirs or not. This woman was a wise woman. So of these two, which one are you? Not only for the women, but for the men. Which one are you? Are you the reckless one who is destroying yours and stealing what other people have got? Are you the wise one who is preserving what you have and diligently protecting what you have? When these two women brought their case to Solomon, Solomon put them to a test. So let's look at Solomon's test. It was twofold, twofold test. The first test is kill the living. Divide the living child in two. Since they were both fighting over the living child, Solomon wanted each one to have a piece of what they were fighting for. The only thing was that if they had a piece of what they were fighting for, what they had would not be living. So Solomon's test is kill the living. And number two, share the dead. Give each mother a piece of a dead child. Provide them a half of something they can't use. And whenever we are fighting over something, we have to think about Solomon's test. Are we going to fail this test or pass it? We will kill the living and share the dead. And many times we kill the living and share the dead. It happens in marriages. We kill a living marriage and, and just enjoy a dead one. We kill a living business and share the dead. In our effort to fight for something, we have to be careful we're not killing the living just to enjoy the booty of what is dead. Some victories are not worth the fight. Because yes, you may win it, but it's just a half-dead child. Yes, you won, but what did you win? You won the debate, but what did you get? You fought and fought and won, but what did you get? So Solomon says, I'm going to kill this child 
and both of you will have nothing. You're going to just share the dead. And let's look at the two responses to Solomon's test. The first woman had what I call the destroyer's logic. The destroyer's logic says, if I can't have it, let it be destroyed. This is the language of many power struggles. Wherever people struggle for power, you hear this language and see this attitude. You hear it in relationships where there's power struggle. Could be a boyfriend and a girlfriend. The boy says, if you wouldn't marry me, then nobody else will marry you, so I'm going to destroy your reputation so nobody else can marry you. The girl says, if you won't marry me, then I'm going to destroy you and make sure nobody marries you. The destroyer's logic says, if I don't have it, nobody else will have it. I'm going to destroy it. You hear it in, in workplace power struggles, industrial actions and strikes. People go on strike and destroy the property that feeds them. Recently, I heard about some students who went on strike and bent their school down. So where would you go for classes after the strike is over? You destroy the factory. Where would you work after the strike is over? You destroy the home. Where would you sleep after the strike is over? You destroyed your woman, your man, and you said the most horrible things about her, and then the marriage problem was resolved. Whom do you marry? The woman that you told everybody bad things about, the man that you insulted to everybody, is he the one you're going to marry? The destroyer's logic says, if I don't have it, I'm going to destroy it so nobody else will have it. I hope that is not your logic. I hope that is not your language. The destroyer's logic says, I want it even if it will not benefit me. That's the thing this woman said. The woman says, go ahead, divide the child and give me the dead part. What do you want a half dead child for? A dead body divided into what would you do with it? Would you eat it? Would you bury it? Would you cuddle it? But she says, I want it. It's amazing the kinds of things people want. Half dead babies. It's the language of the envious and the self-seeking. Those who want what other people have at all costs. They don't care the damage they cause to others. They don't care whether they are fighting. What they are fighting for will benefit them. All they want is that the other person has it. And if it, if it will destroy me, I still want it. That's not the voice of wisdom. Many of us are fighting for things we don't need. Fighting for things we don't need. Fighting for property we don't need. We have everything, but we still have one the little that somebody else has. And even if it will be destroyed, we don't care. It will not benefit us. I don't care. I just want it. Because I have to make sure he doesn't get it. All right, all right. 